clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure. Where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Dear Lord, continue on. We're not cutting this. I'm sorry, we're not cutting this. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist, certified sex therapist, and a pretty sleepy person. (laughs) And I'm Jeremiah James, who's clearly not as sleepy as the doc, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Wow. I'm sorry. It's not being edited. I'm not going back. It was too good. That pause. Was... Never should have given you editing power. I know. Never. <laughs> Never. It's so true. It's so And we're back with Rumpelstiltskin and myself, folks. Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everyone. I don't even is know. I don't even know if I should be like. I can't even remember the story well enough to. It know had to, to be do offended. with somebody who was very sleepy and he slept for a long time. I believe. Uh, anyway, I'm... that's not the point. It fit the moment. I felt the joke oh, okay. and I let it fly. All right. Sorry. Now I'm like, wasn't that the one where you spin hair to gold? Rumpelstiltskin. I, uh, what? I don't think we know our fairy tales. We, moving on. We're Let, getting moving confused on. here. Let, let's go back to what we know. This is a sex podcast, and we're happy to be here. Announcements about announcements. Check out the Amy book by uh, Autumn Karen and myself. Of course, the audio book uh, produced by myself, our team, and of course, my ex-wife, Kelly Dorney, is the voice of Amy. And we're getting ready to start book two, which is going to be great. Great, 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 great. So don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on all of our social media. Leave some comments. Tell us what you think of the book. And Doc, what's our phone number? Hit me with it. 917-382-0653. Please give us a call and leave us a could have been better sex story or a sex question. But please give us a call, even if it's just to say hi, because I pay for the phone bill. And <laughs> and we want to use it. So we want feel to use free it. <laughs> to do it. Wow, that sounded like begging. That was that was a little embarrassing. Um, but anyway. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. You're just frugal. I, and I understand that. <laughs> you know, Doc, you know? I have to say, uh, anybody who listens to the University of Pleasure knows their old pal Jeremiah James diehard Buffalo Bills fan has been his whole life, which means our entire fan base are also Buffalo Bills fans, right? No. Right? No. Doc? Probably not. Doc, I feel like they become fans because I'm a fan, so I just want to say, go Bills. Sunday's coming up soon when we're recording right now, and I just want everybody to send good vibes. Your old pal Jeremiah James needs this, okay? <laughs> Whatever it. it is that helps you kind of, you know, enjoy yourself. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. Okay, so today's episode is a total fucking bummer. It's not. It it's is a total not. fucking bummer. It's not. We'll see. It's not. It's not. All right. All right. You gotta trust. You gotta trust me on these things, Doc, man. Listen, you know I always trust you. You would be literally. You know I trust. You're one of the few people in my life 
and I can honestly say this, this is not even blown smoke, that I trust absolutely implicitly. I trust your judgment, and I think you're a rock star of a human being. However, oh, this you. title does not conjure up, and I'm going to trust you. I tr I'm, I'm telling you, and I mean that wholeheartedly. I trust you implicitly. But I'm, I'm just saying, the way that this title is laid out doesn't seem like there's a lot of happiness on the horizon. But I'm going to trust you. I'm here. I'm going to go on the journey. And I'm sure, Good. as always, you will show me why my uh, trepidation was maybe misplaced. So here we go. Here is our title for today, folks. When everything sucks, or at least seems like it, maintaining mental health in times of mayhem. Okay, so, first of all, there's a lot of mayhem these last few years, okay? <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot so of I, mayhem. I felt like it would be appropriate. Okay, it's inappropriate. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying the title's not appropriate. I'm just saying, you know, normally, you know, we, you know, our last episode was about our favorite things. And I was getting to talk about anal butt plugs. And so, you know, we I was cannot, in my sweet we spot. We I, I appreciate it. And we cannot sustain a podcast entirely on anal. Oh, and I know that it would be your dream. Come on. And I think that you in a in a in a separate realm from me can have your own anal <laughs> podcast where that's what you get to really talk about. You know, it's yeah. your passion project. You yeah. can you can. But you know, here's the thing. Uh, you're right. There has been a lot of mayhem. And sometimes I think, you know, we, every once in a while kind of do like a, I would say like a spotlight on mental health. Right. And it's kind of like, oh, we're a sex and relationship podcast. Why? And I would say, because that stuff really impacts wow. <laughs> people's sexual lives and their relationships, right? Like we're a whole person, you know? So if somebody's feeling like literally sort of like hopeless about yeah. like life and the world, that's uh, that's kind of decidedly unsexy. Yeah, it's right? definitely not hot. No, it's not hot. I get why people struggle with it, but it's not like it doesn't build eroticism and it isn't like, oh, let me have, you know, don't get me wrong, sex can be a lovely point of escape mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. from some of those things. I will say, uh, as long as it's not overdone, right? Sometimes right. people might use sex for escapism to a degree that's a little, uh, becomes problematic in certain sure. ways, but, sure. but sure. there's nothing wrong with a little balanced escapism here yep. and there that yep. helps you get through. But Really, it's because I, I want to talk about this. A, oh, I would say that I've been talking about this nearly every day for about three years. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say. I would at least two, well, probably about like two and a half. Two and a half years I've been talking about this nearly every day. Um, because, you know, we're, we're all living in this world and it's stressful. Mm. And the world is always stressful, but I think that there are things that feel kind of extra yeah, right it's, now. It's, yeah, there's a lot of extra. A lot of extra in the world. And you know, Doc, I got to say. This is going to also sound very like old manish, but now, you know, with like the advent of social media and like 24 hour news all the time on every freaking channel, it's like being bombarded with like ugliness all the time and you yeah. just can't escape it. It's like you yeah. open up your phone, like if I just want to go on Instagram and look at, you know, bikini models, I still have to scroll through like the news channels that I get to and they're like, everything's horrible. And I'm like, I just wanted to see the bikini thing, you know? And like, it's like, it's a lot. It's a lot. I think it's so funny. You're like, I want to see the bikini thing. And I'm like, and when you were like, well, if I want to go to Instagram and look at, and I was going to be like puppies. And you're like, <laughs> bikinis. <laughs> so I was just, 
<laughs> I can only be the man that I am, Doc. Okay? Yeah, there's a predictability there that's both comforting and concerning all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, continue on here. Okay, so really, it, like, what are we talking about here? So this is an episode, and I think you're going to like it. Why? Because the majority of this episode is on, like, stuff to do and things to try, Ooh. which... Okay. I know you like. You, you do. Like you know it. it. That is my jam. I just want to be told where I got to go, how I got to do it. Like, like yeah. let, so let's get into it. What so do I got to do to fix lucky, this? Lucky, yeah. Okay. Well, you got to give me at least thirty seconds to <laughs> set it up. Fine. All right. So, really, what are we talking about? So today. Really, this is a podcast essentially about existential anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So what is existential anxiety? It feels kind of self-explanatory, but really existential anxiety is like literally anxiety regarding existence, sure. right? And so sometimes that's like global, right? So it's about like, like kind of like, what does it all mean kind yeah. of existence, right? Like on a global level or sort of like what's happening in the world? Is the world going to be okay? Like about our existence. And sometimes it's very uh, personal, right? Like right. within kind of one's own life. Like that's a little bit more of like that type of existential anxiety is more of like, what's my purpose? Who am I really supposed to be? For today's podcast, we're going to be focusing more on that global type of existential anxiety. Right. The more of like, what's happening to the world? What does it all mean? What's the point of it all kind of anxiety? Sure. And I would say, do you, um, you tell me, you've been talking to people in the world. Do you think it's fair to say that people's existential anxiety is up? Yeah, it's, it's up a little a bit. bit up right now. If there's a, there's a pretty, pretty heavy uptick of it, Doc, I would say. Yeah, I think that, you know, I guess when you talk to friends and stuff, and just like you're engaging in the world, do you feel like in the last couple of years, you've kind of heard people just seeming a little more concerned <laughs> yeah yeah like the world is melting like everything is falling apart uh and the struggle is real i mean i get right. that a lot yeah and and i think that um to your point around things like news and media like it isn't i i think psychologically there is an incredible amount of research on it yeah. the validity about the way that social media and the way that we receive our news now is different at this point in history than other points. And it's not to say that, I mean, bad things have always been happening and injustices have always been happening. And these are like just a part of human culture, but at the same time, it used to maybe take you weeks to find out, right? Yeah. You'd be like, when's the town crier coming back, <laughs> right? And then, you know, you're like, ah, I don't trust him anyway, you know? Right. And sort of like, it was like a game of telephone. And and I think that there was a lot more capacity um, uh, for sort of like, mm, uh, not, a, I don't necessarily mean avoidance, but like kind of out of sight, out of mind, yeah. right? So, uh, you know, if, if people are living in, and you know, to be fair some people still live in sort of more isolated and remote areas and if you're more isolated from things like you kind of like there is some truth not complete truth but some truth to the idea of that ignorance is bliss yes right? agreed um the more information we have the more information we actually need to process and the more information we need to process the more overwhelming that begins to come um begins to become for people and and i will say that some people just it might be part of their temperament and just maybe the way that they grew up or just kind of, you know, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses and most of our strengths sometimes are weaknesses and our weaknesses are sometimes become strengths later on, right? Like everything's a gift and a gift and a curse often right. at the same time. But some people, generally speaking, 
just have an easier time sort of being like, eh, everything will be okay. Right. Right. And others are like, oh no, it's decidedly not okay. Right. <laughs> it really right. doesn't feel like everything's okay. I am curious, like what type of person, if you had to like, and I know that might be a spectrum, but where do you feel like you fall on that, Jeremiah? Like, uh, you know, I fall, I want to say like, probably like 60% the world is falling apart and 40% it's things are beautiful and wonderful. Like it's like, like, because, and I've really kind of come to notice this recently, doc, just with like, I had to start pulling back on like watching the news and like, you know, uh, interacting with certain aspects of social media because it was so toxic and ugly. Right. And so, uh, you know, and, and it's kind of, swinging the balance back to almost like a 50 50 split but uh yeah right now i mean definitely through the pandemic obviously man it was definitely a hard 60 40 like i still wanted to believe things were going to be great and that 40 percent was like yeah i hold on to that tight but 60 percent, it was like ooh, woof man <laughs> this is, this do you do you feel like Jack brutal. Like from a personality perspective, do you feel like you're somebody that can like easily convince your things yourself that things will be okay, or do you feel like you're somebody that like ooh, that's a struggle? Um, you know that's that's uh, I always kind of look to the future. Like I always kind of look to the positive side of things. So I think that you know I, I have a tendency to lean towards things are going to be okay. It's going to get figured out, but be prepared for the worst. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Right. And so, yeah, like, so some, some people like we, we all cope differently and some people I think, um, are just for whatever reason, there's also like sort of more the extreme end of some people are also just better straight up at denial. Right. Like we all have different defense mechanisms in terms of how we deal with things when we're starting to get stressed. Some people like seek control, right? Where they're like, oh my God, I need to do something. What am I going to do? Right. And so like they're like, that might be more of a coping style for one person. Whereas another person is like, and usually these are unconscious, by the way, these are not typically conscious things. Some right. people are like, I'm going to go ahead and shove that shit way down deep and not really think about Ooh, it at all. Yeah. Or, or maybe yep. even pretend that it's not going on. Truth. Truth right there, Doc. That's a truth bomb. Yep. Right. And so the and denial is is a type of a coping mechanism. Now, obviously, there's there's costs to that and there's benefits to that. And I think sometimes, right, like why do we have all the fighting between each other? Right. Um, well, right, like you see certain things like denial, and then other people might be like, why are you pretending this isn't a problem? Right. And then it makes people really like irate and upset with each other. And sure. like, so, yeah. so also the ways that we cope can really interfere with also us like coping together peacefully. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does mm -hmm. that, especially during times of stress. Yep. So really, I think it's, it's all just a summary of saying, Hey, things have been kind of shitty. Yeah. They've been kind of <laughs> shitty. They've been kind of shitty. Mm -hmm. They've been kind of shitty. So, uh, what to do? Well, I want to first say, I do not have all the answers. I also am living in this world, right? Sure not. I am also experiencing this world. And there is plenty of times where I'm like, what do I do? Right, right. <laughs> like, and I, I think to a degree, I believe that that's just normal, right? Like when there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of stuff coming at you from all directions. Um, I don't think that it's reasonable to ask people to never worry or to always believe that things are going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the skills that I'm going to talk about are like, if you're really having a hard, if you're, if you're starting to have a hard time figuring out how to not kind of get lost in that, like more existential of anxiety of like, 
what if this all falls falls apart, right? Like, are we going to be okay? What is the point? What is the purpose? Yeah. Um, side note, uh, you know, we all kind of like experience existential anxiety a little differently, even on a global scale. Like for me, I cannot watch the Discovery Channel. Really? Right? Why? Like, <laughs> I mean, I can watch certain things. About you? I, you would think, right? I can't watch the like. Like for me, it's more like, it's weird. Like the day-to-day -day stuff, the messiness of humanity, like that stuff I cope with really well. What I don't cope with well is like quantum physics where it's like, we're just a speck, you know, like Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> yeah. stuff, <laughs> right? Like, like where it's just like, we're all just carbon. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like, you know, where it's like, we're this tiny thing in this greater universe. And like, so for ironically for me, that's the type of like, whenever the, like basically whenever I see Neil deGrasse Tyson I'm like nope you break out in hives I'm like nope man I I'm sure you got a lot of really cool interesting things to say but I just can't hang today I it's too much it's too much for me well clearly Discovery Channel is not going to be one of our sponsors <laughs> all right but I know actually but the irony is some for some people that helps them cope yeah right like understanding the, is yeah like well it's a lot of people like Neil deGrasse Tyson's whole message is you know uh we're all a part of the universe. So like if we're all these like basic tiny little specks made of pieces of the universe, then, you know, we're all closer together than we think we are being farther apart and blah, blah, blah. And clearly you don't like that. Clearly you no, hate I do thinking like that. that you I are love part that of somebody else. No, it's okay. No, I want to be really clear. I love that message that like that, like shifting of like the reframing of that. And so, like, that's what joins us all. And that's what connects us all. Like we're all a part of like, we're all the same, like basic elements and stars. Right. I love that part. The part I don't like is the part where they're talking about how big it all is. <laughs> you know, like when you go to like a natural history museum and you're like looking at the span of time and you're like, oh yeah, the dinosaurs all hung out together. And it was like, no, that was millions like of years. And then there was like waves <laughs> and like the time you're on earth is like a speck of time, like, you know, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it's too much. I'm, I'm with you. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You're allowed. It's just me that. disclosing, right? I, like I we all have that. different, I'm sharing that because it's, these things are normal. We Thank all have different sharing. kinds. Um, so you wanna get into what to do? Yes, can we, Can we? Let, well, let's take a break here. Okay. Because it's the anticipation. It's the Great. anticipation that you are going to show us the light. You are going to give us I the don't, tricks I'm, of the I'm not gonna Come show Come on, Doc, the let me finish using my sexy voice before the break. I only get to do it every once in a while. <laughs> oh, I mean, proceed. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we are back, folks. The doc is going to give us the tricks of the trade here to see how we can cope with all of this mess. And uh, doc, I'm ready. I'm ready okay. to learn. I'm ready to be fixed. All right. So this is kind of the what to do. Now, I want to say, as I said, different, just like we all struggle in different ways, right? If we have kind of different struggles, that means that different things work for different people existential anxiety, and really for most things, mental health, it's rare that one thing is going to work, yep. right? So typically it's about like 
finding sort of a cocktail uh -huh. of things that can help us regulate our mental health, right? So for some people, it's like, I exercise and I, I don't know, practice this type of mindfulness. Now I have, I have this uh, band that I'm in that I regularly hang out with and play and, you know, have some fun with music and engage creatively and, right, right. you know, blah, 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 right? And so usually it's about finding the cocktail. So that said, um, one of the first things that I think, and again, this is a skill for some people, it's one that I would, it comes out of acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a type of therapy, but it's one of my favorite ones. I love it a lot. It's going to sound a little dark, but hear me out. Uh, it's called playing out the what if. Okay? okay. So let's say, do you know anybody that's a what ifer? Oh yeah. Lots of people. Yep. Yeah. Right. Like, so when I say, well, what if, or how do you understand that, Jeremiah? Like, what do you see with people, you know, or maybe even if it you struggle with it yourself? Yeah. So uh, for me, it's the kind of personality that's like, you know, uh, it's almost an impossibility to have like fun at times. It's like, it's always what if, like, what if this happens? What if that happens? Like, well, can we just, you know, what if this or what if that? Like, it just continues on. It's like always there. It's always like omnipresent. It's like this. It's a killjoy to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's like a threat, right? Like yeah. there's, there's like rather it, sometimes to your point, I think it can interfere with being, it's usually a, a, a really stressful experience for the person experiencing it, right? Where yeah. there's, there's a lot of um, struggles maybe with being present. I think to your point, like yep. sometimes there can be struggles with like being present and what's going on now. And a lot of like, what ifing about the future, like planning for the future. Like, right. so for instance, maybe, maybe somebody's I don't know, let's say somebody's um, having like in a social event and things are going just fine, right? And yeah. they're like having an okay time, but in their head they're going, but what What if I make a mistake? Right. What if What right. if somebody gets mad That's at exactly me later it. on in this party, right? Mm -hmm. And so it kind of pulls people out of the present and into the future. A lot of people struggle with more of those like existential what ifs right before bed. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> when there's nothing to really distract you. Some people throughout the day as well, obviously, but that, that's, that's what really... it gets me, Doc. I get those like late at night when I'm really tired. I'm mentally yep. fatigued. It's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like all of a sudden, like your brain starts spinning on a, on a, mm -hmm. on a, on a carousel that you can't get off and it starts, you know, you're you going it's around. Called per, in it's called, it's got a name. It's called perseveration. Perseveration. Mm-hmm perseverating right where you're spent you're that's the merry-go-round right when someone's kind of on and got the spins the spins on something yep perseveration perseveration what a word good of the day word. word of the day is perseveration can we use it in a sentence doc when i was laying in my lazy boy getting ready to doze off i started feeling like i was having uh, uh, a bout of perseveration would that work yeah it'd probably be easier to say when i was in my lazy boy about to fall asleep i began to perseverate <gasps> i can use perseverate yeah God, the english language is fucking crazy <laughs> all right here we go contact we're talking about it now let's get to it the what ifers Okay. So if, and a lot of us, you know, like a lot of people might struggle with that to varying degrees, but let's say hypothetically, I'm going to use this example and it's always people, it's, it sounds a little morbid. Okay. But I'm going to go for it. I've maybe given it in a previous one. I can't remember, but I'll be able to tell you doc, cause my brain is like a steel trap. I remember yeah. it all. Here we go. Right. Um, well, so let's say that I'm about to like, let's say I'm on a plane and while I'm on a plane, I do what, 
most people might do at some point. It's a normal intrusive thought when you're on a plane where you look out the window and you're like, oh, what a beautiful sky. And then there's that immediate kind of automatic intrusive thought of like, and what if we go careening to the ground? Right. We're up really high. Yes. Right. And so some people can get caught. Oh my God, what if, what if we crash? What if that happens? What if me, one of the things that I do mostly because I try not to sell things that I wouldn't use myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, me, I do what's called playing out the, what if I say, well, what if we do? And this sounds a little morbid, but I'm going to tell you it's stat the spins, right? I'll be like, well, then I guess I'm dead. So it doesn't really matter now, does it? There (laughs) you go, doc. Well played. Right. So, and you know, every once in a while there'll be like a follow-up. What if, well, what if I don't die? What if I end up like in one of those like raft situations where I have to like, you know, on the ocean where I have to like decide whether or not I'm going to be a cannibal or whatever that might be. And, and I'll be like, well, I guess that I would have to make that choice. Like I'll play it out. I'll be like, well, what if, well, I guess I have to decide whether or not that was or wasn't the situation. And then if I did, I would presume I'd have to get a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. And I hope I would be able to figure that out, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and while that's like kind of morbid and weird, it stops me from spinning, right? Because I've played the tape all the way through, right? So a lot of times with what ifs, it's sort of like this metaphorical monster under the bed, this bed, this monster that just keeps hanging out. And you're sort of like, what if there's a monster? What if there's a monster? What if there's a monster? Uh, playing out the what if means actually sort of psychologically forcing yourself to look under the bed and be like, all right, usually it's about playing out your worst case scenario, even if it seems highly unlikely, right? What if there's nuclear war? That's a really common existential yeah. what if. Is it really right? common? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Really? Absolutely. Especially with things that are going on in Russia and Ukraine and like it, but it's uh, even pre that. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a really common fear that some people might like an existential concern. Right. Like because it it would represent the end of, you know, it kind of seems to represent like the end of humanity. Sure, right. So sure. it's it kind of is symbolic. But but, you know, like sometimes it might sound morbid and sign of a hard sell. But I, but sometimes people are, what if it ended in nuclear warfare? And I'm like, well, play it out. What would you do? Well, people are like, well, no, I might be dead. And I'm like, well, if you're dead, you don't got a choice. Well, what would you do if you're still alive? Well, I, I guess I would. I would try to find the supplies that I could. I would try to figure out who else is alive. I would, right? And so part of what I'm doing with people is I'm trying to help them build their sense of resilience, right? So it's two things at one time. One is acceptance. If hypothetically a disaster struck, right? A catastrophe struck, we would have no choice. We would just have to react. And that's what we would do right? You would react in some kind of way. What if I ended up in this raft? Well, I would, uh, on the ocean, I'd have to figure it out. Why? This is where the acceptance comes in. Because I would have no choice. Right. That is, that is what I would do. I wouldn't be given other options. And so part of that is around like just practicing acceptance around like there's certain things that when you get there, you're just going to have to choose and you might have to cross that bridge when you get to it. The other part is like, you're sort of looking at the monster under the bed, right? Rather than going, what if there's a monster? What if there's a monster being like, screw it. Let's dance monster. What Mm -hmm. are you? Okay. Here's my worst fear. I'm looking at you. I'm dancing with you. And so what it does is it takes things out of a state of ambiguity, right? Like, is there a monster bed under the bed? Is there a monster under the bed? And instead it puts things in a state of knowing, which is like, okay, let me actually look at that. Let me reduce the ambiguity. Got it. Am- ambiguity breeds anxiety. It makes us anxious. And so the more that, you know, like kind of internally we can reduce things like ambiguity, it can help us feel a little bit more grounded. 
here's the thing about this skill. It always feels a little dark to people. People are like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. well, it does, but it works. It does work. And not for everybody, but it ends up being one of the tools that people find a lot more helpful because it sort of forces this, like, um, acceptance of like, there are certain circumstances that I just couldn't control. And all of the worry in the world wouldn't change what I'd have to do when I get there. When I get there, I'd still have to decide or I'd still have to cope with it, whatever it was that was kind of thrown my way. Mm -hmm. So playing out the what if, that is one strategy for big fears, big existential fears. Okay. I like this. I like this so far. So here's the thing. What if that doesn't work? What if playing out the existential, the existential? You got it. <laughs> Man, got it. I get started to melt. Did you see that? Like, wow. You did. I was like, am I smelling toast? What is that? <laughs> okay. So, but what if, what if, what if that doesn't work? What if like, I like your what if there. What if that doesn't work? Well, what would you do? You would try something. If we play out that what if, what would you do? Well, you would try something different. Okay, well, that's what I'm trying to get to. Don't say I'm a what if -er. I'm just trying to get to no. the other thing. That's one, my job. One of these days when we have a little time, we are going to talk about defensiveness. I'm not defensive. <laughs> I'm just saying. Let's try to get to the other side. Just let's all take a breath. Okay. okay I'm breathing. Uh, no one's calling you a what whatever. And even side note, no shade to people that what if. That's a really hard thing. And lots of people what if. Okay. So, so it's not what if. It is if that is a situation that doesn't quite work the way that we hoped that it would. Uh, do you have a suggestion? <laughs> <laughs> this is painful. Um, okay, yep. Um, yeah, so here's another skill. Uh, and this one is also like a weird sell to people. Uh, practicing what I would call and what would be referred to as healthy self-delusion. <laughs> okay, I like this already. <laughs> um, all right. So generally speaking, when we talk about delusion, people are like, you're delusional, and it's usually in sort of a negative context. Yeah. But like I said, certain things are a tool and a weapon. Let's say hypothetically, you have an experience in which two people are, and I'm sorry that I keep coming up with morbid examples, but they're what I got, and we're talking about existential anxiety, so it's usually not super light. It's right in um, that pocket, right? Yeah. So let's say hypothetically, you got two people, and um, both people are taken prisoner. Okay. Okay. And the person in cell one is like, oh my God, we're not going to get out of here. We're not going to get out of here. Do you know what the odds are? Maybe they're a statistician and they studied imprisonment or something. I don't know. Right. And they're like, do you know what the odds are? The odds are so low that we're going to get out of here. And then you have the person in the other cell going, we're going to get out. I believe. I think we're going to get out. Between the two, which do you think is experiencing better mental health in the situation? I think it's the person who's like, we'll figure it out. We'll get out. Yeah. yeah. Right. And to a certain degree, there is truth in the idea that that person might be engaging in a bit of what would be referred to as self-delusion, meaning they are not maybe accurately assessing the risk, uh -huh. right? They are maybe underestimating the risk. But there's something about it that is actually in a scenario like that psychologically useful, right? Because the person that's like hyper-realist, some people feel like hyper-realism is the best way to cope. If I just know all the data, all the facts, all the figures, then that's going to like get me through it, like helps people feel safe and in control. And some people it does. And for other people, now they're just like 
so on edge and so anxious because they're like, oh my gosh, I know the actual risk of this. I'm so absorbed in the risk of this that I can't stop worrying about it. And then that ironically actually creates like, so in the scenario I gave the, the person that's calmer about it is actually probably has the better chance of escape right, right away. Right. Right. Cause they're going to have better decision-making. They're going to be less side note, anxiety, adrenaline that impacts executive functioning, which is like decision-making future thinking, right. Or ability. So this stuff does matter. It all impacts each other. Um, but healthy self-delusion is sort of this idea that in certain circumstances, it is um, helpful to us to be able to suspend our disbelief to a degree, right? Sure. To be yeah. able to step away and to be like, you know what? I think it's going to be all right. And maybe all right is sort of vague, but we're like, you know what? For now, I just need to get through this circumstance, yeah. right? So it's really um, a practice. <laughs> I think if, if like, let's say somebody's listening, they're like, Ooh, I'm not that person. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am. Oh, I can like some, some people wear like realist is like a badge of honor, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm a realist and uh, great. Cool. Good, good for you. Great. Good and for you. In, in certain ways that might be really helpful. Part of it is the wisdom to know the difference in the scenarios in which that actually might be harming you. It might be harming you to be like, well, I'm not putting my head in my, in the sand. I would be like, it's most mental health is about balance, right? We were talking earlier about denial. It can be a problem to completely put your head in the sand and totally pretend that something is not a problem, right? Right? Like that's that's a so that those are extremes, right? To be kind of hyper in denial is an extreme, and that can be a problem. But on the other end of the spectrum is to be like hyper realist. I am watching everything. I'm watching it all, and I got all the information, and and somehow that's going to protect me. And in reality, in certain circumstances, it might. But the wisdom in knowing when to be like, and right now I'm going to actually work on selling myself something that might feel a little bit like a lie. Okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be all right. Even if I can't prove it, even if there's no way to prove it, I'm going to try to attach to that truth right now because that's the thing that's going to get me through. Okay. That one's easier said than done, right? So that's why I say like that's absolutely a, a practice. Yeah. Is that yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. I'm totally with you. I'm, Can you I'm think bored. of any scenarios in which you've done that where you've just sort of been like, gonna be okay and but in the high the back part of your brain it's like no, i don't know it's gonna be okay yeah, man. it's definitely but you're not just... gonna be okay yeah no I, I have many many scenarios like that it's almost like you know willing yourself to success and belief you know what i mean like yeah. and and uh i've had many of those you know when i uh I, this sounds again we go to morbid thing but like you know we had a really tough time in in, in uh 2018 my wife and i with some family stuff that was going on and then at the same point in time it was like it was like just a like a perfect storm of sadness you know what i mean mm -hmm. you know we had found out a dear close family friend had had cancer and that they were going to be terminal and then the same day my dog passed away and mm -hmm. had to be put to sleep and it was like one of those things where like I was holding on, man, like claws, like on the side of the cliff. Like I just, mm -hmm. this is so much to process. And I kept going, it's going to be okay. No matter what, it, it will be okay. But there was still that part of my brain was like, man, I don't know. I could just let go. This is, this is a lot. <laughs> like, this is a lot. And I'm really, really struggling to hang on here. But, you know, right. so it was like, like two people driving the same car at the same time. Like one's yanking yeah. this way and the other's yanking it that way, you know? Right. And, and you kind of selling yourself what may, for some people I might say like you, 
like they'll be like well it feels like a lie and i'm like that's okay it's okay <laughs> so, sometimes psychologically you might have to feed yourself something that feels a little bit like a lie yeah. and it, again this is not the same as like extreme denial right no, like you just no, said no, two no. people two people were driving the car at the same time there was a part of your mind that understood that there was real risk or there was real problems or that there was real stuff happening right but this is a coping strategy right right from like a healthy perspective is more about like Sometimes you don't want to take, you don't want that hyper realist to totally take the wheel because right. if they take the wheel, everything's on fire. <laughs> it's burning down. And it's not going to get you through. Right. And so uh, that one is a practice. Yep. Okay. Next, um, this one also, yep. a lot of these things are practices, but here's the thing it's existential anxiety. So you get a lot of time to work on it. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. Existential anxiety is, is often not acute, right? It's more like something that ebbs and flows for people as they move through life, particularly in the times that we're in now. Um, so shifting your philosophy. So if you can't change your circumstances, you can only change how you are viewing or thinking about your circumstances. In fact, a lot of what we do on the podcast and some of what I might do that's long-winded that may drive you nuts at time, Jeremiah, is really about philosophy shifting, okay. right? Like a lot of it is about like, okay, people may commonly see this issue this way, but here is a different way to look at this issue. Here's a different way to think about this issue. But when I talk about like shifting your philosophy when it comes to existential anxiety, yeah. Sometimes it's about shifting literally your philosophy about life, sure. right? Yeah. Whether we realize it or not, we're all walking through this world with a set of philosophies, a philosophical set about how we see the world and how we see life. Right. Literally like not to get too big, but life itself. Yeah. And sometimes those are working for like there are certain aspects of those philosophies that are working for us and then there are certain aspects that are not. Right. Um like so for instance, the philo like if some people are like I see the world as a horrible, miserable place that's only um, creating suffering. Mm -hmm. There might be some truth in that, but yeah. is that a philosophy that's going to help you get through it any more effectively? Right. Is that a philosophy? Actually, let's say you're really worried about the the difficulty of the world. Mm -hmm. Is that a philosophy that might, for some people, might paralyze them? And then the things that they want to maybe have a part in changing then all of a sudden they feel like they have no, because it's paralyzing them and they don't do anything to change the things that they're worried about, right? Mm -hmm. Or to like contribute in the ways that they may be able to contribute. Right. So shifting philosophy is, is, is often a really important thing. And side note, we could do like 30 episodes on like, how does one do that? <laughs> right. um, uh, for now, what I would say is like, you know, I don't even know how many times in the last two and a half years, like I've been like, all right, when you can't change the circumstances, all you can do is start rethinking how you're thinking about the world. Sure. And so I have had people read more books on like different philosophical sort of ways of looking at life. Like, so for instance, like there's a lot of, in a lot of Buddhist philosophies, like Zen Buddhism, I'm not really talking about it as a religion, more as a philosophy, right? Sure, sure. So like in Zen Buddhism, there's a lot of philosophy around like this idea of suffering. Okay. And what does suffering mean? And why is suffering like so in and side note, I am not an expert in Zen Buddhism. Okay. okay. I want to okay. be very yeah. I want to be very clear. This is just um, an example yeah. we're using here. Yeah. So like let's say in Zen Buddhism, like there's sort of this idea that like um that life 
like that suffering is inherent in life, right? That, that that is part of life's journey, but it's also part of what allows you to understand what joy feels like, right? There is right. no, there is no pleasure without pain Correct. because one does not exist without the other, right? Correct. It's very yin and a yang kind of situation. Yes. And learning how to accept suffering and pain as this expected and not only expected, but to a certain degree, important part of life, because you would never know what joy feels like if you didn't know what hurt or pain felt like you have to have one to have the other. And that, um, I do like, just because we're giving people stuff to stuff to, to look at, there's a, a very popular book, um, about, Zen Buddhism, it's called, oh my God, I hope I don't get it wrong. It's called um, punk rock. No, it's called hardcore Zen, hardcore Zen, punk rock, monster movies, and the truth about reality. And it's written by someone who's a former punk rocker (laughs) who who lives in Japan and makes his monster movies and is also a Zen, like a Zen master. Okay. (laughs) And so it's a really like, if someone's like a little bit more like, I don't want to read some Buddhist book. It's a, it's a, maybe an entry, but like if someone's like, I'm a little cynical about it, I'd be like, then that's the book for you there to you read go. more about it. Um, like another type of philosophy too, like, so Zen Buddhism was one. I'm a big fan of uh, French existentialism. <laughs> so, I, I'm, right now I'm hearing a lot of wah, 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 wah. So continue. So French existentialism, which is very broad, but there's an aspect of French existential. The French and I, and I, and I say this and please, there's lots, I am not French, right? I lived in France for a year. That's not long enough to be like, I know the culture, but French existentialism is got some interesting sort of ideas. Like, you know, the French have sometimes a, I would say a very hyper-realist and sometimes dark way of looking at things, but in a very interesting way. So it's like, you know, the French is like where film noir comes out of right, and like, right, you right, know, right. at the end of a romance, someone dies and it's, it's like yep. often not the happy ending, but like French existentialism is sort of like this idea of that, like death is inevitable. Eventually you'll die. So carpe diem, seize the day, enjoy what you can. Joie de vivre, right? Joie de vivre is joy of life. Carpe diem, seize the day. Sort of this attitude of like, yeah, life is terrible and then you die. So might as well enjoy the shit out of what you can, when you can, how you can. Right. Right. So it's like this odd mix of sort of like, uh, mindfulness almost around like pleasure and enjoyment mixed with, yeah, shit happens and it's going to happen. And that's a reality. So why would, why would you waste your time not enjoying certain things in life? Right. Does that make sense? Yep. So that's like, those would be just, there's like a trillion philosophies, right? Like those would be just a couple examples of what I mean. Okay. Um, so in terms of like what to do around some of these things, like if your own, if your own thought patterns about something are just really off the rails, right? Like what I mean is they're taking you places you don't want to go. Like we were talking about pet perseveration. Uh-huh. Sometimes what can be really helpful is put in literally into your head, a different voice that is not your own, right? Uh-huh. A competing voice. And so like, I, I'm like love, like, let's say it's a book on philosophy, get an audiobook put it on, listen in your car, right? Or let's say you're laying, I don't know, on your lazy boy and kind of having a existential crisis, put in something else, like, right? Like put in that book on, um, on uh, French existentialism, <laughs> or maybe it's just like a, like a little mindfulness meditation. That's like, Hey, right now, everything's fine. <laughs> you yeah. Know? You know, I gotta be honest with you. Those things really do help. They really, really do. 
There have been times where I have been, what is it when I'm doing when I'm going to bed when it's, I'm spinning? Perseverating. Perseverating. When I'm perseverating, uh, as Jeremiah James, your old pal, when I'm down a perseverating rabbit hole, can I work on it? Can I use that? Can I use it like that? Sure. Okay, sure. so cool. So perseverating rabbit hole, I will do something like put on an audio book. I have, a, I have one. It's just like, I, it's, I, it's the guy who wrote the book. Uh, it's, it's very long. It's, it's the U.S. Grant book it's like the story of his life it's his biography and he's the same guy who did the hamilton book which then led to the hamilton musical mm -hmm. right but like listening to this book it like it calms me like just like it's like talking about you know how he strategized in this thing and you know the big grand plan of the military thing that he did in the movement of the armies and it just it makes me go ah oh, it's cool man and every once in a while i use the calm app where I just do like a little five minute meditation and it mm -hmm. just kind of, it stops the crazy ride of perseveration that yeah. I'm on and it just gives me a break. And then other times where I'll tell you, I don't know anything about French existentialism, but I, how do I say that? Existentialism. Yeah, I don't know. I, whatever. I, you said it right. The point is that uh, I, I like this idea, Doc, that we could go to this place of like Zen Buddhism or just like, Give us a, a little bit of a perspective change, just a little bit yeah. of a perspective change on life to get us out of the, you know, the the, the panic of that we might be going down on. Yeah, and and literally like shoving other things into your brain yeah. that are not yours. I love the use of audio, right? Like some people experience anxiety very physically. Yeah. And so that, that you know, there's like, like uh, so if you're doing meditation, like a body scan or like a, something that's like more physically, like a working out, exercise, right? And exercise can always be useful or helpful. But sometimes if like your own voice is what's causing you misery, right? Your internal dialogue is what's like, like you're perseverating, you're spinning, get a different voice in. And if you're like, I'm not in on like listening to books on philosophy, I don't care. Listen to a trashy erotic novel. I don't yeah. give a shit. Like, but something else, right? Like take your voice out of the picture for a little bit to give you a little bit of a break. Because a lot of times when we get in those spins, like we start to lose rationality very quickly. That's common. That's not like we all become irrational in our fears at times. And sometimes our fears are totally rational, but our control to do anything about them is incredibly limited if completely no control, right? Yeah. So- um, okay. So you said something important and this is another sort of piece, right? This idea of like shifting perspective. So one of the things that can be really helpful for existential anxiety is also shifting uh, your perspective about life or your experience right now. So have you ever read A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? No. A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's very sweet, by the way, that you asked that question. <laughs> or listens. Uh, you should. Uh, you should listen to it. Um, a Man's Search for Meaning is um, Viktor Frankl was, I can't remember if he was a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but he was in um, uh, taken to a concentration camp in World War II. And during his time there, right, he, well, after his time, he wrote this book about how he got through. Right. Okay. And basically this idea that like how he like freedom is a state of mind rather than a state of being and essentially how he kept his essentially mental health together. And what's really fascinating is like, hey, like it's it's a great book. Right. And like what he did to get through and to maintain a sense of community connection, like he talks about all these things, like finding moments of joy in a concentration camp. I mean, that's pretty wow right yeah but but what's really interesting is I've had so many people read this book over the years and be like. Well, when I read that, it really feels like maybe 
my problems aren't that big and I could do this too. (laughs) Does that that make sense? Like perspective and like, wow, right? Like one of the things that I often think about when I'm having kind of like a really hard day is I think about history. And I think about like the past and things that people have gone through in the past. And I'm like, wow, my problems feel easy, comparative, right? To people maybe in history that like, you know, didn't even have A, B, C, or D. And I'm like, yeah, if they could get through, I could get through. Sort of this idea of like investing in like humanity is astounding. Our capacity to survive and persevere is astounding. And there are a million stories and you can find infinite stories about that in history, even current. Find those stories. Listen to those stories because sometimes investigating or investing in a sense of our power of perseverance as a species can be much more uplifting than whatever doomsday scrolling you're doing. All right. Which is another uh, piece of advice. Stop doomsday scrolling. Stop (laughs) doomsday scrolling. It's not going to help you. Yeah. I have people set boundaries around the news all the time. Right. And I know that sometimes that can feel very anxiety provoking because people feel like they need to stay plugged in, Mm -hmm. gives us a sense of control. But here's the good news. You live in a pretty plugged in world. If something really big happens, you're going to find out and you're going to find out relatively quickly from the people you know. Um, all right. I only have a couple more. Can I do them? I see uh, well, that you want me to We're running out of time, Doc. We're running out of literal time to actually finish. So how about you pick one last one that's going <laughs> to knock it out of the park? Um, okay. Um, one of the things, uh, I have two, two super quick ones. One, right, is this idea of seeking understanding, right? As a psychologist, sometimes what helps me um, manage, like, why aren't other people, like, what's going on? Why why do other people feel so differently? Why we're all fighting? Is to literally learn about why we think the way that we do, right? Yep. And understanding some of our basic weaknesses in terms of, like, the way that we think. Um, we, we've talked before about flaws in our thinking. They're called heuristics. There's a wonderful book. The guy that wrote it won, a, 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 I believe, a... a Nobel Prize, so other people thought it was good too. Um, it's uh, <laughs> so it's it called wasn't Think- just me. Um, it's called Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow by Daniel Kahneman, and he's one of the original researchers in heuristics. And heuristics is our the errors in human thinking. And why would it help us at all to understand the errors in human thinking? Well, if you can understand the basic errors in thinking that we all have, it can kind of start to help you understand why other people might be thinking the way that they think or struggling in certain ways that they might be struggling. And in certain ways, what that can help build is empathy and understanding. And empathy and understanding is sometimes a way to soothe the anxiety that might oh, be coming totally. from like boiling anger. Yes, <laughs> because, yes, absolutely. Because look, if you're, call, if you're going down uh, that rabbit hole, you know, it's like having just a little bit of, of empathy can help take away the angst that you're that you're fighting against you know what i mean that's got you all amped up right exactly so i mean i it's just um hatred of others rarely brings us to where we want to be right right and it it doesn't it it does feel good it feels feels nice nice. for a minute it feels a little bit good but it really reminds me of like ghostbusters 2 with the the pink ooze do you remember this right it makes them all mad and it makes everybody mad and it's like a poison and then it spreads yeah. to other people. And then how did they fix it at the end? They all held hands and like, I don't remember what song they sang. But yeah, <laughs> they sang it. That movie was ridiculous. But the yes, New Yorkers the fixed song. it all by singing and holding hands. Um, uh, so, okay. my I've 
many more, but the final one, because this is all Jeremiah will give me time for, is... Um, like, I'm the big brute. Yes, yes. You're continue. the one interfering with the resolution of existential anxiety, is Jeremiah James. <laughs> Everyone, I'm putting that on my resume. <laughs> interfering with the resolution of existential anxiety. Um, an assignment that I give people sometimes, and I, I use it for myself all the time, I tell people to think about, you have three buckets in your life. Bucket one is the bucket of things that you have total control over. Bucket two is the bucket of things you have limited control over. And bucket three is the things that you have no control over. And when people are worrying, I often ask them, which bucket? Which bucket does this go into, right? The buckets that a lot of times, they're the things that people have no control over. And sometimes even just recognizing that that's the bucket it's in can help people sort of let go. A little bit. And sometimes it's limited, but then I say, how limited? And people are like, I mean, I can vote. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I can vote and maybe I can canvas and that's about what I have. Right. So looking at sort of what level of control and asking, actually like literally taking time to ask yourself, how much control do I really have over some of these fears of mine? Right. And trying to think about that. And finally, just finally, just because I really need to say it starting to shift focus to those things in your life that, because I think it's a good ending point, that do have meaning, that do have purpose, that you enjoy. I know that people talk a lot about like, have a gratitude journal and it's kind of eye-rolly, but actually it's not, right? Like taking the time to think about what you value, what's going well, and like sitting down, writing it out or saying out loud when you're driving in your car. Like there are always small joys in life yeah always and sort of that idea of you don't take time to smell the flowers right life is going to see a lot more dreary and yeah there's a lot of big stuff that might overshadow those things but your capacity to be able to go what is going well what are the exceptions to the things that i feel like are going poorly in life right now write out your exceptions what are the things that you're grateful for what are the things that you're enjoying it's going to get you through the day a hell of a lot easier if you can also put those in front of your face rather than the horror stories that are on the news. I totally agree with that wholeheartedly, Doc, because, you know, I think so often we get so caught up in negativity, you know, and it's like, you know, you might feel because you're feeling crappy. It might feel like, again, one of those lies that you're telling yourself Mm -hmm. about, like, you know, I'm grateful for these things. But you know what? If you really do take a moment and stop and look at it, you know, even if it feels like a lie in a moment, it actually will start to lift you, man. It's like, there's an yeah. old thing of like, you know, even if you don't feel like smiling, isn't there like a scientific study that's like smiling, like the actual physical act of Yeah, smiling? like if there's a certain period of time that if you smile for it might actually, yeah, change how you're you're experiencing, right? Like you start to feel happier. Yeah. Well, like, I gotta like, tell you, like this, yeah. this, this feels really good, Doc. Like I, I, I actually, you're right. I trusted you, you got me there. I'm with it. I think these things are really great tactics to to focus on for, you know, when you think the whole world's burning down around you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we should do another follow-up episode so we can get the other things in there when we have more time because <laughs> well, I'm not I, a big group who's I just have, being to me. No. I have one more. No, no I have one more that you'll you like. You'll like no. it. It's for you. It's for you. Is it for me? It's for you, right? I was going to say another big one is going out and trying to find some things that bring you joy, no matter how small and how maybe like, wow, maybe they not may not feel meaningful in sort of a big world way, but at least they feel meaningful to you. So go Bills. Yay! Right? You made my day.
you're welcome. You made my day. <laughs> well, that is it this week, folks. Remember, it's tough out there as we were talking about existential crisis and, and panic and all that stuff today. Uh, be kind to one another. Just be kind. Do your best to to be kind. There's a lot of craziness going on out there. Doc, I appreciate everything you do for so many. Thank you for that. That lifted my day. And uh, I appreciate you and everything you do for so many. And have a great week. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.